0: Welcome. We hope you enjoy this recording from Christ City Church, based in Dublin, Ireland. For more podcasts and information on the church, please visit christcitychurch.ie. Thank you for listening. Hello, everyone. I'm going to read from one Peter one verses thirteen to one Peter two verses verse three. Be holy, therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober. Set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Christ Jesus is revealed at his coming. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had had when you lived in ignorance, but just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do, for it is written, be holy because I am holy. Since you call on on a father who judges each person's work impartially, live out your time as foreigners here in reverent fear." Now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth so that you have sincere love for each other, love one another deeply from the heart. For you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and endearing word of God. For all people are like grass, and all their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall the word of the Lord endures forever, and this is the word that was preached to you. Therefore, rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. Like newborn babies, crave pure spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow up in your salvation, now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. Mm. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for this passage uh, that, that we got to hear tonight. And Lord, I pray for Matthew as he comes up and, and preaches. Um, will you speak to us through him, Lord? And will you make each of us receptive to your word tonight? And will you speak to us as a church and individually? Amen.
1: Amen. Thanks, Vaughn. Good afternoon, church. There we go, wonderful. It is really good to see you guys. For once, I don't have to put down the stand. Whenever Steve is here, usually the stand is covering my head out. So Sharon, I really appreciate that. That's wonderful. Guys, if I haven't met you before, my name is Maffey and it is really good to see you here. We are currently in our second week of our new series, Aliens and Strangers, as we're going to explore the message of First Peter over the course of the next eight weeks. So last week we, we began this series by saying that despite being exiled scattered in modern day Turkey, these believers that Peter writes to have a great reason to rejoice despite their suffering because their identity is rooted in Christ. And so ultimately the underlying issue they faced is not all that different from any of us today. I've got the clicker, there we go, wonderful. The biggest obstacle uh, for following Christ for these guys, is isn't all that different for us today. The biggest obstacle to following Christ is our desire to fit in. I want to tell you, 2022 may be a year in which everything goes smoothly for you, but perhaps the biggest obstacle is your deep desire to fit in wherever you find yourself. And that end, ends up shifting how you follow Christ. And so this is the one thing that I think can trip us up time and time again. It's the, it's the little sins that we, we, that we get away with. Well, without maybe thinking too much off it, it could be the workplace, perhaps, it could be the social circles, it could even be church This desire to fit in. And so very often our, our overriding desires end up determining how we behave. And so these desires can be easily shaped by who we're around, if our identity isn't secure. You've saw it before, we've all seen it before, and we've been there. And so trouble then arises whenever we're faced with the tension of we've got unbelieving colleagues or unbelieving friends or or family who begin to mock us or maybe who begin to undermine us for our beliefs. And then we've got to admit, church, I'm not the only one here, in trying to fit in, we begin to look to things, we begin to look to people, we begin to look at culture for peace, for satisfaction, for, for direction. We're going to see this afternoon... That God's highest calling for his followers is not their happiness, but it's their holiness. And so the issue with fitting in is that we're called to be holy. And then whenever we don't fit in, we end up becoming foreigners. And the futility of fitting in is that it's really short-lived and it actually stunts maturity. So this is where we're going with the talk today. So there comes a moment early on in every Christian's life, whenever they feel the tension in a real significant way to to fit in, to try and assimilate to to the culture going on around them against the desire to follow Christ. And so I don't know if if whenever you felt this, you've been a believer for a long time or else it was pretty instant. But I remember as a 15 year old at at a school youth club and being with all the lads and I was wearing my royal blue Rangers football club coat And you might think there's absolutely nothing wrong with that, unless you're a Celtic supporter. But the thing is, I didn't even support Rangers. I had no affiliation to them whatsoever. Actually, I supported a little, small Scottish football club called Gretna. They were a nobody. Absolutely nobody heard of them, nobody knew about them, except for me. But I had to wear my Rangers coat. I had to display this coat around all my peers in order to to fit in, in order to be accepted. As one of the lads, you see, in Northern Ireland, so much of a young lad's identity is wrapped up in which Scottish football team you supported. So, growing up, being from a Protestant background, I had to support Rangers to fit in. Had I been from a Catholic background, I probably would have had to support Celtic to fit in. That was the reality of the context that I lived in, and so really clearly, I remember that evening as a 15-year-old just muttering to myself under my breath, "Maffie, what are you playing at? What are you at?" Standing there with the lads in a jacket belonging to a team I didn't even support, just trying to fit in. And there in that moment, in that moment, I recognized for the first time I was more concerned about fitting in and being happy amongst my peers than it was for becoming more like Christ. I want to tell you, it wasn't the first time that I tried to fit in, but it was the first time that I recall feeling that tension, feeling that pressure. You know, up to that point, I didn't know any better, but now I couldn't plead any more ignorance. God was beginning to lay his hand upon me in a way that I couldn't ignore. And I want to tell you, it didn't happen overnight. I ended up wearing that jacket the same time next week, the same people again. It didn't happen overnight, but half a year later, I began to take Jesus at his word seriously. I want to tell you, there's nothing wrong with the wearing of the jersey. Nothing wrong with that in the slightest. But what it showed was that here is a young lad who is more concerned about what his peers thought about him than what Christ says about him. And so the thing is with Christ-likeness is that we can never slip into it. I can't just slip into Christ-likeness. I can't just slip into holiness. You and I can never passively become like Christ. And so if you've got your Bibles open, look at what Peter's saying in verses 13 and 14. He's in minds that are alert, they're fully sober. Set your hope in these things. Do you see that these are active words? Actively being, actively becoming. And the thing is, we can slip into sin. We can slip into the evil desires that we once had. We can't slip into Christ-likeness, but we can slip back into sin. And so there was a time whenever we didn't know any better, but now that your identity is sure, now that your identity is secure in Christ, Peter's saying, you know well the desires that you once had, but don't slip back into them. And why? And this is the issue with fitting in. Is that because we're called to be holy? We're called to be holy. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. So what then is this holiness? What is it? And so to be holy is to be fully set apart. be set apart from, to be radically different to. Remember what Paul said to the Romans? Do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And then you'll be able to test what God's good, pleasing, and perfect will is. And so God's calling upon his people has always been towards lives of holiness. And so all the way back in Exodus 19, God is saying to Moses and he's saying, although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. You see, he, he, God said to, to Moses, You're to be set apart. Israel is to be set apart from the nations around you. You're to mediate my presence to the other nations. How? By living differently, by being holy. And a church, we've got to understand that we, we do not exist to serve ourselves, we, we exist to serve God. And God doesn't exist to serve us. And so whenever we say about uh, us being holy, this rubs up against my happiness. This will rub up against your happiness at, at some place. It rubs up against our desire to fit in. Society will look at Christians. Society may look at you and think that you are a dinosaur. Society may look at you and say you're behind with the times. You don't fit in. That kind of thinking belongs in the 20th century. Society might look at you and think, well, that, that's totally lacking in freedom. But yet it's our holiness, our radical distinctiveness, combined with our radical engagement of the world around us, that's going to be this very salt and this very light that Jesus actually speaks of. And so the issue of fitting in is we are called to be holy. That's the long and the short of it. And the thing is, whenever we don't fit in, then we become foreigners, and there's this tension, and we begin to feel it. And so ultimately, followers of Jesus are always going to stick out. If you're a follower of Jesus, and, and you do not stick out for what you believe, then chances are that what you believe maybe isn't really what you believe. Rejection is to be expected. Suffering is to be normal. Mocking and jeering in the workplace will not be uncommon. You know, living lives set apart for Christ is going to be really tough. It's going to be tough in the workplace. It might mean saying no to certain things. It might mean not engaging in an office banter. It might mean whenever I was in the workplace and been handed the phone to watch the dirty video that everyone was watching and laughing at, passing it on without, without looking at it. It might mean avoiding gossip about all our colleagues. It might actually mean speaking well of all our colleagues who don't deserve it. Might mean being intentional, going against the grain, speaking up for what's right, even if it's not popular. Office politics determines what goes on, but imagine going against the grain. You know, living for Christ and being holy is tough in relationships. might mean setting boundaries that that your friends or your colleagues or your families don't. might mean waiting until marriage before engaging in any sexual activity whatsoever. Might mean waiting for marriage before living together. Might mean waiting for marriage before living together, counting the cost of double rent in an expensive city. Living for Jesus is super tough. It's tough in new countries. When you've arrived and your deepest concern is about fitting in, about being liked in this new place, and you'll do whatever it takes to feed that desire. I want to tell you, living a life for Jesus is really tough. Paul pulls or Peter pulls no punches. Peter pulls no punches. Wow, I love that alliteration. <laughs> Peter pulls no punches with these people. There's four Ps. I want to tell you that I've, I've failed on so many occasions when it comes to standing up for Christ, when it comes to standing for what I believe in. I failed in the past, and I still fail now, and I'm going to fail again in the, in the future. And whenever I live like the world around me, I sacrifice my desire for holiness And I begin to serve my desire for happiness. The old mafia begins to appear who seeks the validation of his peers rather than living under the validation of the father. Does this sound like you too? Does any of that sound familiar? Is it just me? Church, our identity always drives our behavior. It always drives our behavior. So who we are will determine how we end up living. And Peter continues in verse 17, and he says, Since you call on a father who judges each person's work impartially, then live out your time as foreigners here in reverent fear. So in other words, our identity, our security, our validation should be fixed on God and God alone. And if that is the case inwardly, then outwardly our actions will begin to reflect this. We live out our days in reverent fear, this healthy respect, a deep sense of awe. We don't come to God as... as as spoiled children casually, but rather we come to God full of gratitude and, and worship of who he is. But if you look at the text, look what our motivation is. It continues, our motivation is actually Christ. Jesus is our motivation. Our motivation towards holiness is Christ. It's not through traditions. Holiness doesn't come through outward actions, going to church, saying or doing the right things. Holiness doesn't come through all these externals. These things don't reconcile us to God, but it's actually the precious blood of Jesus that reconciles you and I to him. You know, Under the Old Covenant and Old Testament, sacrifices were offered to atone for sins. But yet the problem was that the sacrifice to atone for sin couldn't deal with the heart beneath the sacrifice. The sacrifice couldn't change the heart Sacrifice couldn't change the desires. You see, holiness isn't the keeping of the external, but rather it's a transformation of the internal. It's a transformation of the heart, which then shapes the external. Do you see how that's different? So it's only through Christ that our hearts can be transformed. It's only through him that we can be holy. You know, our, our progress in the pursuit of holiness comes from understanding who we already are in Christ, not what we have to do. Kevin DeYoung, in his book, Whole in Our Holiness, says this. Apart from our union with Christ, every effort to imitate Christ, no matter how noble and inspired at the outset, inevitably leads to legalism and spiritual defeat. Wow. But once you understand the doctrine of union with Christ, you can see that God doesn't ask us to attain to what we're not. He only calls us to accomplish what already is so as Christians we are joined to Christ Christ lives in you he lives through you you're one with Christ so live like him that's what he's saying so ultimately we, we strive after holiness not because we're scared of God not because we we dread him but we have confidence that we already belong to him and whenever we don't fit into this world around us we become foreigners and Peter said, church that's okay that's the way it's gonna be. And it's not only just okay, but this is the way it's designed to be. Because the futility of fitting in is that it's short-lived and it'll stunt maturity. You know, Peter send the scattered exiles, he sent the foreigners. Since you're already in Christ, your union with him is absolutely secure. Love one another deeply. Go an extra mile. They're feeling like outsiders, and to some degree, they are. And here he's encouraging them not to cave into the culture, but band together under Christ, loving one another well, because what they're doing actually has eternal ramifications. And that's the thing with the futility of fitting in. It's so short-lived. Peter then quotes Isaiah 40, and he says, All people are like grass, and their glory is like the flowers of the field. And that sounds wonderful. Imagine being like a beautiful flower of the field. When you're tempted to assimilate to the culture around you, remember this, that the grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord endures forever. Amen. Amen. Church, our motivation towards holiness is Christ. But it's not just the overflow of what we have with him. It's also the opportunity to share with others what they do not yet have. The problem with fitting in the society around us so well is that, is that we've actually got nothing to call society to. If we end up simply looking like and talking like and assimilating to our colleagues, to those around us, to our friends and our family who don't know Jesus, how can we call them to a Christ that we look nothing like? What does your Jesus have to offer me that I don't already have? How am I any different to you? You know, Peter's saying, so in light of all of this, he's saying, as followers of Christ, form the culture around you, rid yourselves. Look Look at chapter two. Look at that first verse in chapter two. He's saying, rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit, of hypocrisy, envy, slander of every kind. Church, these are cultural norms. These are expected in the workplace. They're even praised in the workplace. These are the things we see around us. Peter's saying, rid yourselves of all these things. Peter's calling them to a higher standard. He's calling them to be who they are in Christ. And they'll mature in holiness. I want you to hear what I'm saying and not hear what I'm not saying. Holiness isn't the ground for our redemption. If you remember nothing, remember this. Holiness is not the grounds for our redemption, but it's a goal of our redemption. We don't put off this old way of living in order to get right with God. Christ has already done all that for us on the cross. Christ has done absolutely everything necessary for us to get right with God on the cross. And now, since we are united to him, God is saying, begin to live that way. Begin to live like it, begin to live like him. And so this is where the rubber hits the road for so many of us. We don't mature in our faith because we'd rather fit in. This is where we feel the tension. The biggest obstacle to our maturity in Christ is our desire to fit in with the world around us. And so Peter is calling these new Christians to crave spiritual milk. It's easy digested stuff, and it's all they can handle at this point. We're going to have a baby in a couple of weeks' time, and they're not going to be fit for the steak that I would like to eat. They're going to be fit for milk and nothing but milk. It's all they need, and it's all they'll get now at this point to mature. Why? Because now that they have tasted that the Lord is good. But the thing is, if that's all they end up living off, then it's no different to still being breastfed as an adult. They'll never mature if they can never move on to sods. If they're still on the breast whenever they should be on the bacon, they'll never mature. Who wants to, to desire more nourishment from God this year? Any hands up online? Anybody? Come on, who wants to mature in Christ? Who wants to get nourished by Christ this year? Whenever I desire more of Christ, I am satisfied less and less with the things that the world has to offer. I am satisfied less and less with the applause of man. I'm satisfied less and less by the validation of my peers. And around this idea of being contented in Christ, An old dead guy, A.W. Tozer, said, uh, "The, the, the meek man cares not at all who is greater than he, for he has long ago decided the esteem of the world is not worth the effort. He's long ago decided the esteem of the world is not worth the effort. As a Christ City Church, the biggest obstacle that you and I may end up facing in 2022 could be our desire to fit in with the world around us. Can I encourage you? to be who you already are in Christ. Because the issue with fitting in is that we're called to be holy. And whenever we don't fit in, we become foreigners. But the futility we can see of fitting in is that it's short-lived and it stunts maturity. And so as I close and as the band comes back up, I want us to reflect on, on a few more words from Kevin DeYoung. He says, a dying world needs you to be with God more than it needs you to be with it. Look at that again. A dying world needs you to be with God more than it needs you to be with it. And that's true for me as a pastor and true for you as a mother, a father, brother, sister, child, grandparent, friend, Bible study leader, computer programmer, bank teller, barista, or CEO. Your friends and your family, your colleagues and your kids, They don't need you to do miracles or transform civilization. They need you to be holy. They need you to be holy. And so church, we're going to respond. We're going to respond through the Lord's table or the Eucharist or communion, the Lord's supper, whatever you know it as. It's an ordinance or an act that Jesus shared with his followers and he commissioned to the church afterwards something for the church to participate in. You know, union with Christ, it's an act. This is reserved. So we're going to do communion. It's reserved for believers only. So if if you're a follower of Jesus today, if Jesus is your Lord and your Savior, then this is for you. But it's a union that actually marks our holiness. Our union with Christ is only achieved by Christ. And it's this union that actually makes us holy. We are set apart as Christ's own by faith in Christ. One of the privileges of being united uh, together in Christ is our, our communion, our fellowship with him, our communion with Christ. You know, we've got fellowship with Christ through prayer, through reading the word, the word, through the singing, and through other forms. But it's also through participating in the bread and in the wine. You know, the Lord's Supper is not only a visible reminder of the gospel, it's a spiritual feast where Christ is both present as the host and as the meal. And so the presence isn't physical, but it is real. And at the table, Christ nourishes us. Christ strengthens us. Christ assures us of his love. And so we don't celebrate an absent Christ in the supper, but we actually enjoy communion with the living Christ. And so communion with Christ is what it is. It maintains our holiness. It maintains our holiness. It's our ongoing communion with Christ. It's our ongoing communion with Christ and by his extension, his people that maintains our holiness. And so together we're going to come and we're going to remember Jesus' body broken for you. We're going to come together and remember Jesus' blood shed for you. So will, will you stand with me? The band is going to sing. And as the band plays in the background, can I invite you to come forward? If you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, then lift the bread and lift the wine From either of the two tables, hold on to it and come back to your chair again. And then after the first song finishes, I'm going to come up and I'm going to pray. And then we're going to take the bread and the wine together. And, you know, if if you're unsure of where you stand with Jesus, or if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, please remain where you are and don't feel the need to come forward. All the bread is gluten free and the dark is alcoholic and the light is a non-alcoholic. So there's both on either side you just join me as I pray and then the band are going to sing. Jesus, we stand on you today. Our holiness does not come about by all our good deeds and all our efforts, but our holiness is imputed to us by you because of who you are and what you have done. And therefore, Jesus, may we simply live out who we are in you. And Lord, whenever the temptation and the trials of this world come our way, whenever we want to be happy in something else, may we not compromise our holiness. May we compromise our happiness to be holy before you. And Jesus, where we feel that sting, where we feel that pinch, I pray you would strengthen your people today. You would encourage your people today. In Jesus' name. Amen.